we expect to change the world, all of us. It's, this has got to stop. Yeah. There's absolutely an inordinate amount of suffering. Unnecessary. Absolutely. Unnecessary. Hi, and welcome to the TSW podcast, providing insight from thought leaders, success stories, and practical mental and physical tips to help you on your journey to recovery with your host, Claire Hart. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the TSW podcast. I'm your host, Claire Hart. I am thrilled to bring this episode to you. Um, today, we talk to Dr. Marvin Rappaport. And so Dr. Marvin Rappaport is widely accepted as a leading physician in topical steroid withdrawal. In 1978, he established the Contact Photodermatitis Clinic at the UCLA in America and identified TSA and TSWs as consequences of topical steroid use. He has dedicated his life's work to raising awareness of the condition and preventing needless suffering. He's written and contributed to numerous white papers on the subject, treating thousands of patients in his Beverly Hills, California clinic and online, and has acted as the driving force behind the recent Skin on Fire documentary produced by PCH Films. If you haven't seen it already, there's a link to it in the show notes. It's available on YouTube for free, so definitely do give it a, give it a watch. It was an absolute honour for me to speak to Dr. Rappaport about all things TSW and his continuing work to ensure the condition is widely accepted. I just want to say thank you so much as well for all of the uh, questions and comments that were submitted to me in advance. I hope I've done it justice and, and woven a lot of those through our conversation. Um, and yeah, I hope you take away some, some reassuring words of wisdom from Dr. Rappaport. I just want to say the disclaimer and the caveat as well that obviously this is not personalized medical advice. Please make sure that you work with your GP or medical practitioner for your condition. Um, Dr. Rappaport talks about his clinical experience and his years of uh, experience working with patients with topical steroid withdrawal and addiction. But obviously, you know, all of us are individuals. All of us have used different strengths or durations of steroids so definitely do seek out your own support and medical guidance if you do however want to talk to dr rapport about your own condition he does do virtual online consultations and would be very happy to to speak with anybody from the community um, i will link to his website uh so where you can reach out and, and have a conversation with dr rapport if you don't live in beverly hills which um would be very lovely i'm sure um so yeah i just want to leave you with that if you do like this show please 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 do leave us some comments either on instagram or on the reviews on uh, spotify or apple itunes and please subscribe uh it feels really lovely to get feedback from people who have listened to the show um and yeah if you want to say dr rapaport any comments as well or any feedback he would also love to hear from you um i did pass on some of the lovely words um and and comments that i'd received through instagram for him anyway so enjoy this episode i'm sending you all the best for your own recovery journey and i will speak to you soon all right so welcome dr rapaport to the tsw podcast we are so excited to have you join us today and what a pleasure as well with the documentary having just released yesterday. Yeah, perfect timing. Uh, we'll start 2022 with a bang, both of us. 
and will change the world, uh, hopefully. I watched, um, I watched the documentary this morning and I have to say, I ended up in tears at one point and I, I reached out to the community this morning just to ask for other people's feedback. And I think that's had the same impact on, on lots of people is just the acknowledgement of what we're going through and to hear our story being told. So I just want to ask you kind of what, how do you feel about the documentary? Are you pleased with how it's come out? Well, your, your comment about tearing um, absolutely gets to how we got to this. I did everything scientifically for the last 40 years, lectures, nine published papers in peer-reviewed journals, local meetings, more lectures, more blog, set up a blog, did everything. Still falls on deaf ears with multiple fights. And I know I live in LA, but I practice medicine, but I love LA and everything about it. And it dawned on me, the only way to do it is grassroots with a movie. That gets to people passionately and emotionally. Who knows when they read a paper if they tear? I doubt it. But when you see the film and everybody, I've heard your comment about 10 times already. We cried. There were tears in my eyes. Well, that gets things accomplished when that happens. And yeah. that's what movies do. Wow. And, and, you know, and uh, Mr. Keach, who did the uh, film, uh, James, is superb. He's an award winner. And I went this route with my wife and we are, that's the only way to change the world, finally. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Sue, so there were some other um, doctors featured on the, on the documentary and it was interesting to see almost like the traditional view of topical steroids and also then the more actually becoming aware of the impact they can have. Was that done just to have that balance and to have the, the full dialogue that's happening out there in the medical industry? I think that's Mr. Keach. And uh, I went along with it. It was in his hands. Uh, this is the problem. It took me a little while to get him to cry also and to understand the misery. And once he started interviewing more and more, he was on board. <laughs> but he's of the decent sorts who gives both sides a play to express what's going on. Yeah. Uh, that's why the young lady uh, was put on uh, to foster that uh, aspect yeah. of the, if there is, um, and it was his doing, yes. But I think, you know, for, from my perspective as a sufferer, I mean, it really added to the emotional element because everything in that dialogue that came back from the traditional view was everything all of us have heard from our own doctors and our own medical practitioners when we're trying to tell them we think we have topical steroid addiction and we're going into withdrawal. So it just really hit home for me hearing that back again and then hearing your opinion. It was, yeah, just a great contrast. So tell me, how did the documentary come about? You know, it's like everything else that's emotional. I'm not sure if you know uh, Nathaniel West, a writer in Los, uh, in America in the 30s, 
uh, two films were made, um, Day of the Locust and Miss Lonely Hearts. Miss Lonely Hearts uh, is a, uh, a man writing a column in a small newspaper in New Jersey. And the cries and weariness of the sad people writing to Miss Lonely Hearts, please help me, please help me, please help me. Well, I think it reached a breaking point after thousands of patients. Oh, I've got to do something different. I answer them, I help them. I probably have seen 5,500 patients via the internet and in the office in 40 years with this. And we got to do something radical. And that's where the movie idea came up. I cannot persist in writing more papers. It goes nowhere. I cannot persist to having fights with more doctors. It goes nowhere. The movie will do it for me. And I think, lo and behold, within a day, I think we've had about 4,000 viewers. What impact do you hope that the documentary will have? Are you hoping to see that it spreads more throughout the medical community and that doctors become more aware? Well, I, I, I think the, the gist now, at least in my mind, is for the quote-unquote grassroots hundreds of thousands of patients, friends, family, people writing letters to the Academy of Dermatology in America, the academies in Australia, in England, in Europe, to their doctors that they've seen for the last 10 years, to the nursing units, to other reach out, reachable people who will spread the word. Mm -hmm. And we'll see um, the marketing lady, uh, Kate uh, Halibozak, is very knowledgeable and very positive and very up. And uh, I've talked to her repeatedly, and she just is so darn positive <laughs> that these things work. And uh, it's a daily process. Obviously, um, in medicine or in many other fields, you want it to happen today, only today. Has to, everything has to be done today. So I, yesterday I was on the t uh, computer writing to people, giving them the links. I've already done it about uh, 200 times. I've already been on the phone. I, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> <back> off. <laughs> and then I'll just slowly every day seed uh, the, the, uh, the land with this. And she too. And it happens slowly. And I think, boom, first. Mm. Yeah of other activity, um, anger, annoyance, positivity. We'll see. And you know what? I'm having fun. Good. You know, I, it's so nice. I get more pleasure curing the people. They are pleasured. I'm pleasured by curing them. Let's see how this works on a bigger population. I like the idea of bigness and let's see where that works. I'm a lone practitioner. I work in the office. I see people. I like that. I like being left alone. I could never work in a giant hospital or go through committees to buy a chair, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so I want to see what the big picture offers Yes. and you are offering it. And so is the film. Yeah. And I excited about new ideas, new things. Yeah. Fantastic. And interestingly, I think, yes, was it yesterday or the day before, 
in the UK Parliament, there was an MP who discussed topical steroid addiction and withdrawal. Um, I'll, I'll send you the link afterwards, but she was talking about the support that's required for patients, the investment in research, um, which just is, is an incredible step forward. Yeah, it's like the floodgates open. Yeah, you know, it's starting. Papers, the lectures, the, uh, it plants to see, plants to see, not perfect. And then suddenly something opens the floodgates. Uh, fine. So that's why I'm expecting a radical change. Yeah. Because the water is going to deluge them. Fantastic. The we'll get rid of the naysayers. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> So, Dr. Rappaport, so what kind of, going back to your early days, what, what inspired your interest in dermatology? It was very serendipitous. Um, I, in medical school, I was very interested in internal medicine. In fact, gastroenterology. I had done research, uh, interned here in Los Angeles, was drafted into the Army, uh, went to Korea, uh, no fighting then. I was uh, in the uh, 60s. Um, and I was luckily stationed in the biggest hospital, the Avac Hospital. That's when, if you can't get them better and send them back to their group, then you have to evacuate them back to the States. So it was the biggest hospital. All the specialties were there. All the majors and colonels were there. And I luckily had an internal medicine ward. Six months in, the dermatologist who had a ward with about 10 to 20 patients every day left, rotated, was not replaced. There were no dermatologists. And guess what? The colonel said, you will be the dermatologist. What? I know I have a little bit from med school, but I, you know, I, uh, and he talked with me for a whole week of what young men see, get and what to do. And it's like, my God, all you do is talk and examine and you can make a diagnosis. You don't need 16 lab tests and 14 x-rays and you still don't know what the answer is and you're scratching your head. And I said, wow, surgery, lots of psychology, which is my forte. I love that aspect. Rashes, allergy, unusual, peculiar arthritic problems psoriasis wow plus internal medicine and they're young and you get them you just don't patch them up you get them back to living and i said wow and i changed instantly and with six months to go and another year to go in the army in the states i applied for residency in dermatology because of that amazing you know, i have to kiss the colonel you know uh, for uh, for doing this. It's amazing how things happen like that. Peculiar, yeah. and I'm still riding high. Mm -hmm. The honeymoon is over. It's so exciting. Uh, so I, I enjoy what I'm doing. It's fun. I, I love that you uh, mentioned as well the psychology aspect of it, because that's huge, and we'll come on to that a little bit later. But um, I think that's just a fascinating area between your skin, how you feel, and the, the emotional, mental side of it, which can be, particularly in TSW, incredibly traumatic. If I may pursue that, this is where most of my anger comes now against the docs, because the patients feel lost when they leave the rooms, the, the clinics, that no hand-holding was done, no listening was done. 
I just learned, relearned a word, which I sort of knew, and I'll run it past you, it's interesting. It's called gaslighting. I'm not sure if you know, you do yeah. know that. Mm -hmm. My age, because I know the movie. It was a Charles Boyer, Ingrid Bergman movie in the late 40s, early 50s, where he tries to steal her money. She has the money, she has the big mansion, and he tries to show that she's crazy. And the word has infiltrated into the young female psychology literature. Don't let the men gaslight you and drive you nuts. And this is what the doctors are doing to the patients. They're gaslighting, they're intimidating them. You don't want steroids? Get out of my office. You know how important I am? You know how smart I am? You know how much knowledge I have? You know where I went to school? You know what hospitals I'm in? How dare you question me? And they walk out humble and they don't know where to turn and they're just miserable and no hand-holding. That's what we mostly did. You never turned anybody away. You stroked them and held them and made them feel good. And maybe you couldn't cure them, but at least you were able mm. to make the day better, make the disease a little palli um, palliated, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They have no inkling of how to do that, nor care to do that. And that's the essence of medicine. It is. Essence. It what is. We're that we suddenly everybody lives to be 170 no we make life very good for them and ease pain and suffering and yes we do have wonderful scientific things and we've extended the the uh the you know people live into their 80s and 90s that's all i see in the office and they can't wait to get on the golf course uh you know they're still very active whereas they died in the 60s when i was in med school so yes, we do good things, but the hand-holding is so important. Absolutely. There's a, there's a lovely bit in the documentary, which was when I first got checked up, where the chap said that he came in to see you and you didn't say anything when he first arrived, but you put your hand on his arm and said, it's going to be okay. And but for me, I was just like, that, that is it, right? We can bear almost the unbearable as long as we know someone is there to support us and give us that strength that we'll get there in the end. Um, but it could be a difficult journey. Well, to go one step further or maybe 10 steps further and appropriate, I, it's okay with me. I've become friends with him. That's good. We have had coffee together. Uh, we have socialized with the wives. Uh, he's a reader. I like him very much. We get along very, very well. So I can do that in dermatology and, and be with rather wizened book reading uh, academic people out there. Uh, and we've gotten rather close. Uh, his name is John, uh, John McClasson. And uh, we're buddies. That's cool. So that, I mean, you can't say that too often in medicine or in law no. or anything. No, absolutely. <laughs> I think um, I've been quite lucky in my journey that um, my my GP, so my general practitioner, you know, he very quickly said to me, um, there are things in medicine that we don't fundamentally know. There's the unknowns and the knowns. And he, although he, you know, I had to work quite hard to persuade him what I was going through. He was open enough to know he didn't know all the answers in medicine and actually 
was open-minded about supporting me in my recovery. And I think even if we tip the balance to doctors just being aware of that, you know, that we, we fundamentally don't have all the answers and to keep an open mind is surely one of the key criteria of medicine. Well, you're, you're perfectly on, on spot. Um, medicine is a detective game. That's why it's fun. And you take on the case called patients and you say, I will get you to betterment. It is my job and my duty and I want to. If I don't have the answer after reading the books tonight and calling my colleagues, I will find somebody who will work with us and get you better. Period. That's all. Yeah. Rather than get out of my office. I don't know what you got. I can only give you steroids or I can only do this or I, you refuse my shot. You, you, you don't want to do what I say. Um, you, you know, oh, come on. I'm yeah. going to work with you. The patient walks out pleased that they have an ally that's mm. going to work with them. Just what your GP tells you. I don't have the answer, but yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm here. I'm disregarding you. Believe me. Yeah, it's almost too much ego, isn't it, with the other vein? Because it's fun for us to find out mm -hmm. the answer. A new thing. You know, I, you know, docs burn out. Lawyers burn out. They do the same thing over and over again. And unless you're titillated and stimulated with nuances, why pursue this after 20, 30 years? And mm -hmm. you hear it in their voice. You see it in their body language. Or wow, I'm doing something new and different. And let me tell you the case I saw today. And I was able to figure it out. Wow. You know, Absolutely. that's what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. So Dr. Rappaport, how did you first find out about TSW or start having suspicions that something else was going on here? I, I pride myself on the aspect of medicine uh, and in my training in med school on history and physical. You can make most, most, most diagnoses by listening and watching and examining. Um, I finished the residency at UCLA, uh, went into practice, um, yearned for more academia, started teaching again at UCLA, and I began an allergy clinic. Uh, that was not there before. I was interested in uh, substances that cause rashes and problems in industry, in cosmetics, in the outside world. And I, I'm, I can't remember, I might, might have sent letters to the dermatologists in the area, I'm not sure. And patients were sent for me to find that hidden allergen with special testing, with working them up, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it dawned on me after maybe a year, year and a half, they all had no allergies. They all were red and they all were using, overusing steroids. And we know that steroids closes blood vessels down and then they open up. What's the big deal? There was my diagnosis. So I wrote a paper and it was rejected. <laughs> Nobody, the authors of the journal, no, impossible. Oh, it's bad eczema. It's the sunlight that's giving them a red face. And, you know, it's, it's called 
January, even in LA, the sun is not strong enough. But no, it's the sun because it's the face, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I went and, and more and more and more looking for that hidden allergen. And I patch tested, I'm sure, 1,500 people over the next 10 years, all negative, every one of them. And every one of them were steroid addicted. Everyone, everyone. Uh, amazing. Now, I, am I peculiar? Did, did they bypass the other doctors or they just got a shot of cortisone? You have bad eczema, we'll get you better. You'll be able to go to the dance, you know, it's on Saturday. Boom, get out. Um, and I just listened and I said, they're miserable. They're, they're in hiding. They're on fire. They can't sleep. We got to change this. And then the dilemma worsens because it took a long time to get them better. I'm sure you know that with all of your colleagues. Yeah, yeah. All colleagues. It's amazing. It's Why? Awful. Except I had written a paper about nitric oxide. And we could talk about that later. It is in evidence for at least a year. I stopped the study after a year. And the nitric oxide, the chemical released from the blood vessels, keeps blood vessels open. It is mustard in crises so that the blood supply will get to the brain. Mm -hmm. So large amounts of nitric oxide released by vessels to open the vessels for uh, brain flow. And why, and the steroids do this. And why does it not stop after a year? Or why does it go on for a year? No idea. No idea. And I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but the worst patients who have been using for 20, 30 years, three to five years, three to five years for cure, for yeah. cure, for cure. Yeah. that long. It's interesting. I heard someone before saying, even if you were coming off a of heroin, it wouldn't be as you know, the duration of withdrawal from something like heroin or cocaine is so much less than TSW. It, it, it just, we are paying this huge penance for following medical advice, misguided medical advice for so long. The opioid addict, the amphetamine addict, yeah, uh, he's fuzzy, he's weird, he has seizures for a year, but on, psychologically, it, it, he's fit, it's over within a year, Pro possibly, probably. No, these people still cannot trouble. And that's why I, I'll, and we'll talk about the therapy that I do, et cetera, et cetera. They're all functioning. That, that's all I want. Mm -hmm. I not, have not been able to ever shorten the course of the three to five years, mm -hmm. but they can live, you know, with support, with immunosuppressive drugs, mm -hmm. lots of handholding, and they live and function. It's the best, and it's, they weren't living before, so I take that uh, as a very acceptable mode. Mm -hmm. it's, a it's really difficult as a sufferer to try. People can obviously see the extremes of your skin, but it's really difficult to try and get across the crippling insomnia, the edema and how stretched your skin is, and just how incredibly poorly you feel inside, you know, yes, your skin looks messed up, but you are so ill. Um, and trying to help work understand that or family and friends and all the things that you have to say no to in your life 
it can just it can feel really difficult particularly when you don't have a gp or a medical professional standing beside you saying yep she's suffering from that or he's suffering from that it it is that whole gaslighting piece where you doubt yourself as well even though you can see in the mirror how poorly you are a couple of avenues start opening up inappropriately number one they're suffering 24 7 that's the only thing on their mind as soon as they wake up in the morning if they ever slept uh and then um the the suffering um is misunderstood by family and the doctors you got a rash come on what, what are you complaining about and then they go the avenue let me try this doctor this holistic thing let me go on a gluten-free diet let me do this let me seventeen thousand things a huge amount of money spent valueless it's just unscientific mm-hmm. and then the support groups which i love and they're very helpful every patient wants to help so they tell the world of their one case themselves to go on a gluten-free diet leaky gut syndrome get rid of your wife you know etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> and it's like no stop but everybody wants to be helpful they try um but it's sad how much expense of emotion and money yeah down the drain yeah uh, yeah we're very vulnerable nowhere, still nowhere so and they're afraid to search out another doctor they, yeah. and, and if i were to talk to them and advise them oh i'm not going near doctors no i don't want to talk to them no i've had bad experiences yeah not with one not with three maybe a dozen by by the time i get to talk to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very disappointing and it's, it's interesting how that carries over into other things such as, you know, I've always followed medical advice and with the vaccinations and stuff, always been open to that. But suddenly you get this nervousness where, you know, I've used steroids for 37 years since I was a three-year-old on my skin pretty much every single week. Um, and then, you know, you do question other stuff and even though I've gone through with it, it creates in your mind this nervousness about trusting the advice that you're being given, which is awful. The doctors have fallen off the pedestal, not just because of this, but in all areas, because they do it in all the other fields too. They don't follow through, hold hands, show an interest, care. Yeah. And then the distrust, you're right, has spilled over into the COVID area. Oh, I'm not going near that vaccine. Oh, I don't believe them. Mm. You and your wisdom, no matter who you are, no matter what your education as a patient, you are wily enough, everybody is, to figure out, uh oh, I, I know what to do. I'm going to go to the university. I'm going to go to the big hospital. I'm going to go to the biggest man in town, six foot 10. You know, he'll have the answer. She'll have the answer. And they don't. They don't. And now what do I do? I just went to the biggest and I still am nowhere. Oh, what do I do now? Then real depression mm-hmm. and suicidal ideations sneak in yeah. to many, many patients. Absolutely. Anywhere to turn. Yeah. So uh, it's so sad. It and, is. You know, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is very sad. So, so obviously you've written a number of papers and articles on steroid addiction and withdrawal. 
And talk to me, you know, you mentioned there about kind of the initial reception from the medical community. Have you seen that change at all? Are you starting to see more acceptance and awareness or is it still pretty hesitant and reluctant? You know, you know what I did in anticipation of talking with you for the last and after reading your questions about three weeks ago, I've spent three weeks figuring out how to answer that question. I know everything else. I know my papers. I know what I've done. You can ask my background. I, I, that's a slam dunk. To answer the, your question is difficult because it runs the gamut in my mind on a daily basis. All the way from poorly trained, I care, but I really don't know. I feel incompetent. I have to refer the patient out to anger on their part to hostility against the patient and I'm going to get that patient for making my day miserable, to anger at me, to acceptance of what I wrote. I mean, the gamut is endless. Obviously, uh, through the last couple of years, there are doctors all over the world, here, there, everywhere. They don't write papers. They don't phone call me that take care of the patients properly but I get a lot of pushback, mm. hostility, and I've learned to push back harder. It's the only way. I don't take anything. You know, I, I give it right back between the eyes, and it works like a charm. Amazing. They <laughs> but how do you change them? How do you do that? Um, and that's, I, I wasn't teasing. I'm thinking, I know she's going to ask me this. How am I going to answer this? I've tried everything. I've tried being nice. I've tried being this, that, you know, there's anger and hostility. How dare you change my, I give shots of cortisone. They work like a charm. They have bad eczema. They're going to have it the rest of their life. How dare you? Who do you, who do you think you are? You know, where do you yeah. think, is it, is it a protectionist stance? Is it an ego? Is it, uh, you know, the, the acknowledging that, which seems so simple when you put the two things together. It's like, there's no allergies, but they use a lot of steroids. Maybe this could be it. What do you think is driving that pushback? Well, I, I think the, cal the uh, mentality of the human being who goes into medicine is conservative, careful, cautious, um, scientific. Uh, once they have a good plan, a good program, and it seems to work, I don't want to change it. You know, I, I got good results with this. Uh, every upstart is an upstart. The patients have been deluging me for the last 30 years with all the weirdos that they're going to. You know, you know, we talk about, you know, the, the holistic and the this and the that, and, you know, the interventionalists who have no idea what they're doing. Um, I'm tired of it, says the doctor. This is what works. Stop bringing me a new idea. So it's good in one sense, but it's it's replete in in medicine. I can quickly cite uh, there's a, there was a doctor Semmelweis in the 1800s in Austria at the biggest uh, lying in hospital pregnancy before uh, you know Pasteur before bacteria, and he noted uh, that the doctor ward the death rate was 50 percent. And in the midwife ward, it was only 10%. And he saw that they 
delivered, they did autopsies on the deceased women in the morning and delivered in the afternoon, carrying the bacteria to their hopeful, hopefully not demise, but it happened. And he decided to have them uh, wash their hands in phenol or ether, or I can't remember what. He was belittled. I mean, it's the woman's fault. It's not, you know, what do you mean my hands are not clean? They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not. So that's my prize example of how uh, anybody with a new idea is belittled. And it, it goes on. The Australian who, uh, a gastroenterologist uh, about 30 years ago, swallowed bacteria and got the same symptoms of a peptic ulcer that people have been suffering from for 200 years have been blamed on their psyche and too much acid and he showed it was a bacterial infection and he cured himself it took 20 years for it to be accepted you know etc etc yeah yeah women delivered uh in the uh, 50s 40s they were in the hospital for 10 days today out because problems have if, if you have them lying around get a movie you know to change that idea wow it was like, you know, uh, slitting throats, you know, but so these things happen in medicine yeah. and they're content with enough good results that I, I'm not, uh, I'm afraid. I don't want to try. I don't want to be sued. I don't want to have trouble. Yeah. And uh, who is this upstart? You know, he's weird or she's weird, you know, so that is operating and it's basically because so let's juxtapose the the uh, the celebrity industry or the movies. They're much more amenable to new ideas, and they're crazy in their way because they'll try everything that's new to show how avant-garde they are. So you have the two extremes: very conservative, I won't budge, mm -hmm. I'll try everything, and we want a happy medium in the middle with a sane, logical, well-trained physician. That's all, that's all we ask for. Yeah. Do you ever get ex exhausted kind of pushing against, like trying to make people realize and educate them? Do you ever just feel uh, just exhausted by that battle? Well, I, I, as I said, um, I, I've learned how to extricate myself from my doldrums by finding a new thing. Uh, and with this, it's been my fun to write a new paper that took six months and it was fun to give a lecture to be invited you know i've been invited to give lectures it's like so it was always a nuance and a new fun this will this will solve the problem i'll get that through to them this time well it didn't work so i moved to the next one and with the movie idea it took up the whole year with all the doldrums of everybody with covid mm. hiding and sad i had this movie we were making. Wow, I was high. And I worked with my wife, who was a huge help. And she's very knowledgeable. And we did it together with uh, with James Keach. Uh, so that supplanted and that took it. And now this is coming up. This, you know, program, uh, this um, uh, avalanche uh, will take a, a long while. Absolutely. So I'll be very involved with that mentally. But yes, um, I do feel the weight on the shoulder every once in a while. 
but my way of always handling it in life is to find a way out. Who Who's going to help me out of my, I got to find the way out. There's always 16 options out there. There are a million ways of going to make it positive, of course. So uh, never down for too long, a little bit for a moment, that's all. Well, on behalf of the community, we are very thankful that you have kept pushing all this time and find it still energizing and finding different ways to spread the message. Because, you know, one of the messages I got to share with you was thank you for being the guiding light back in the early days where nobody was saying anything. It wasn't recognized. And actually your resources and your information was there available to support people. So yeah, thank you on behalf of all of us that you've been shining the light. I, I, all I need is to hear one person gets better. I did my job. That's what I was trained to do. So multiple people, they're not writing letters to me, but you telling me this makes me feel <laughs> You hear a lot about, and I find this personally a bit frustrating, so I'd love to know your take on this is TSW always and, and topical steroid addiction being discussed as a rare thing. And something about that doesn't ring true to me. I've been on them for 37 years, so of course my body is completely addicted to them. And I, what is your perspective on whether it's actually a rare condition or not? Or is it just simply duration on them is going to cause this impact? I think it's the numbers are astoundingly high. Uh, from what I've seen, from what I read, this is not just in the eczema people, the atopic dermatitis people who use steroids chronically. It's in those other diagnoses that use steroids chronically, like psoriasis, seborrheic dermatitis in the scalp and on the face, supposed photodermatitis, rosacea. There are about uh, 10 other things where they get uh, the, to use steroids chronically. That's so the numbers are immense. Then, and so my wife told me she, in a drugstore maybe a few months ago, I sort of knew this. We were, I don't know why, but um, in the various uh, counter uh, aisles, so in the female hygiene aisle, almost every lubricating cream, every lotion has steroids in it. I saw your, your message about that, actually. Somebody posted it in one of the communities. Unbelievable. And she's on burning a little bit. She puts more on. She doesn't tell anybody. So how many of those are out there? But until I wrote about it, and suddenly there were 10 or 12 on the website, on my Facebook, who said I, I, I suffered with it. Just horrendous. So, you get a little jock itch in the summer, irritation, sweating, playing basketball. They run to the pharmacy for relief. They put on a steroid cream, uh, quells it a little bit, tamps it down, but it flares again. They run to the dock. That wasn't strong enough, son. I got a better one for you. And he gives them the atomic bomb and then they're addicted. The groin is the worst place. The burning is insufferable. Mm -hmm. How many of those are out there? Yeah. All 
steroids are like water. There was a, um, a dermatologist in the South, in a, somewhere in Atlanta, I can't remember, a couple years back, who was selling uh, creams uh, uh, with steroids in it for diaper rash. For no disease, but to use, uh, it makes the skin plump and nice looking. So it used my cream and was selling them. Weak, but so it took a little while longer for the addiction to set in when it's weak. How many of those do we not know about who are being mismanaged and mistreated and are being looked at? They're looked at for underlying lymphomas when they're red, for lupuses when they're red, for uh, cause unknown. Um, and we must do every lab test known to mankind to find it. Oh, there's a little blip on that lab test. That's the answer. You know, what's that blip? I don't care, but we're going to pursue that one. We're going to spend another thousand dollars on that test. You know, it's, it's sad. Mm. Just so sad. And just so luckily they're not dying. They're not, mis they're not forever miserable. They'll come out of it versus many other things that are mismanaged in medicine where they do die, mm. do get the wrong surgery, et cetera, et cetera. So I can be lighter about these patients. I can offer more solace in a comforting way because I know they're going to be cured sooner or later or whatever. Yeah. So what would you say would be the simplest way if, because a lot of people that we've seen in the community asking questions, it comes down to, does this look like TSW? Do I have TSW or is this eczema? Um, so if, if you were giving out some sort of general guidance, what would you say to people to be able to distinguish? I'll back you up. It's steroid addiction, TSA. And then if they stop, they yes. go in withdrawal. So let's say we're dealing with the addictive person. Well, just take a history. Well, I started with a little rash on my eyelids and I got a little over-the-counter cortisone. You take a good history. And it made it better, but it wouldn't go away. I went to my doctor, the GP, gave me a stronger cream. It helped, but it didn't go away. Then I went to the allergist and the, they really gave me the big gun, Clobetasol, the super potent one. Oh, it worked like a charm. Then I started getting a rash further down on my face and my neck. I started putting more on. I went through three or four tubes. And, you know, the band beats on and on. Well, that's called addiction. When mm -hmm. spread, get worse, and look worse. It's addiction. What kind of lab test do I need? All I got to do is listen to the story. How long have you been using? Eh, about six months. Oh, <laughs> wow. The mothers, uh, the baby, maybe a little uh, slobber dermatitis or a little eczema, maybe at one month, six weeks, two months. They're addicted within two to four weeks. Mm -hmm. Cream on the face, the the skin absorbs it readily, and they start spreading real quickly. And then they start putting it all over, and they're addicted within two to four weeks. Uh, meaning they need more. By the yeah. time I six months or eight months, they're red all over. Yeah, a year to be cured. A year. Yeah. You imagine a young mother going through the hell of that. And being told by her mother-in-law, she's a bad daughter-in-law for not taking my grandchild to the 
right doctor. Yeah, absolutely. What are you doing to harm my grandchild? Yeah. I, what, what guidance do you have in that situation? Because we've seen people in the community who have recently had children who are who have gone through steroid withdrawal themselves and then their babies have you know a little bit of eczema and the gps are encouraging steroids and obviously the mothers don't want to at all what would your guidance be to them going through this this struggle with their children let me put a couple more pegs in the coffin for you i've seen 30 40 patients through the world where they want to take the child away the authority they were the doctors report the mother the family to the authorities and they're threatening to take the child away or have taken them away i've interceded in about 15 20 of them with letters etc cetera, etc cetera, and it's worked but can you understand the hell mm. that that must have gone through so what do you do I, I, you know it's called education. It's called talk. It's called this pod, this film. And I, there's my hope. I, I can't believe that it can't succeed in hitting so many people who will hit more so many people that it'll finally stop. Yeah. Is the I can say and keep it up, keep it talking. Yeah. And wow, in Parliament, uh, somebody getting up. Mm -hmm. and, these little anecdotes it's happening all over uh, so i think it's working i think it's finally getting there and you say why did it take so long mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what, what would your guidance be for a patient currently in the thick of tsw to help them cope with their symptoms well you know my experience there are three ways of curing it uh, if they hate the doctors, uh, I have to talk to them because they go into hiding. They go into a corner and suffer for the three to five years or whatever it takes. 75% uh, of the patients that I've seen, I've support. Anti-itch pill, anti-burning pill, throw them in the tub, sleeping pill, hold their hands, lots of conversations, see them in the office, um, answer all questions, show care um take care of edema take care of oozing support 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 and reassure you're better than you were six months ago aren't you? oh yeah but i'm still sorry i know that but you're better right okay and then six months later you're better aren't you you know lots of support and they function if they're working and they're still going to school i did my job and i'm there for them the worst uh, they can't function. They're red from head to toe. They're absolutely miserable. I put them, I have about 750 patients on Cyclospor, which mm -hmm. is the immunosuppressive uh, used in the transplant patients. What was happening, it really does fit um, temporarily. About 10, 12, 13 years ago, started seeing the worst. I was seeing less the worst because the stewards were weaker well five to ten years before 10 12 years ago the super potent stewards came out so now they were really miserable so that's why i said what am i going to do i've got to give them one of the big guns like we do in dermatology 
and there was methotrexate and Celsept and Imuran and cyclosporin. And of all of them, the cyclosporin was the safest and was used in dermatology for blistering diseases and used in arthritis and many other places and safe. Um, so I said, and with trepidation, the first few patients I tried, lo and behold, within a few days, amazing. Oh, amazing. So as I got more confident and they were getting better, I was, you're miserable. I can't get you better on the support, but I would give the support a month or so. We got this drug and I talked them into it. I didn't have to talk that many. I didn't have kick uh, feedback, uh, negative feedback from too many, very few. I also had to have their confidence that I'll take care of you, that I, I've been doing this a long time. This has worked. I would never give you something that's going to cause you harm after what you've gone through. What are you kidding me? I have a little bit of a problem with the little guys, with the two and three-year-olds. I'm not going to give them big guns. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, I'm going to, you're, going to, you're going to be the mainstay. You're going to hold her at three in the morning. You know, when she gets up scratching, uh, it's the tender, loving care and ice cream that works plus a little bit of what I provide, but I'm not going to give them drugs. Yeah. Who knows what their eggs will be in the girls? Who knows what could happen to the sperm? Who knows? I'm not going to do that because I know, and it works. I know it'll work, but she, the mother and the mother will do nothing to cause their child harm. Yeah. So I got an ally. I don't have to fight anybody. But it, it's, it's it, hard. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because the only reason my skin is as good as it is, because I only came off steroids in March last year after that duration of using potent steroids for my whole life, um, is because I went on cyclosporin um, after four months of withdrawal. I've stopped taking it now. I haven't used it now for like a month, but my skin seems to still be holding out relatively well. Um. You usually, all of the patients seem to have a pattern. Typically, bad first year, let's say day zero, I stop the steroids. Uh, I usually will give them a month of support if I can get away with it, and they're happy and they're satisfied, or they're reluctant about the immunosuppressive. We go that route. If they're they need the cyclo. Okay, after about four or six weeks, look, you, you're not living. We fine. We'll do it. The first year is rough, but within three to ten days, they look pretty damn good. I don't know if you yeah. had that. Yeah, my life came back within a couple of days. <laughs> I, I, amazing. I got kisses and hugs all over the place. I did it just for that reason to get kisses and hugs. No, I'm teasing. Usually the young do okay no flares. I have much more trouble with the people over 50 in terms of they uh, bothers their kidneys every once in a while. They seem to still break through every once in a while, not as perfectly as the 25 year old uh, patient. Uh, they're clean. They go walk in and it's almost like I got to get them out of the office. I got nothing to talk to them about. They're perfectly normal. Um, a year goes by, they're looking great. I said, maybe let's try tapering by 25 milligrams. Oh, 
I start everybody at 300. Mm -hmm. If you start low, it doesn't work. And then the doctors in their fear of, you know, they don't know what to do. So they give them a low dose. Yeah. You know, I don't want to cause any harm. I'm afraid it doesn't work. Got to give them 300. And if they're small people, uh, you know, ladies are smaller. I'll lower down to 275 or 250 after about four to six weeks. Mm -hmm. And then that second year, I'll try 25. If they don't flare, I'll wait four to six weeks. I'll try another 25 lowering until the end of the second year. I'm at a pretty low dose where I don't worry about the kidneys anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, functioning. And then I revisit at in the beginning of the second year to lower again slowly by 25s. Mm -hmm. I'll have them off by the two and a half to three years totally. Yeah. Sorry, in your opinion, do you feel that healing absolutely goes on in the background? That you are recovering from your steroid addiction whilst you're on immunosuppressants? I, th I think they're just functioning. If I, you know, they run out of pills, the insurance company changes, the wrong drug is given to them, and they flare because they didn't have the drug it, at two years, at one year, seven, you know, damn it. Uh, so it's still there. And it's a, but it's an amazing drug in that it, it suppresses. Well, you know, those who are supported too can flare, but it's not so bad and they still function and they understand that just like my arthritis acted up and I have to take off a couple of days from work. I flared, I won't go into work. They accept that and we work with them. Um, okay, until, you know, because Usually I can reassure that this has been the pattern of thousands, that this is what's going to happen. And when it comes true to form a month later, then their confidence mounts more. So when I, another mini crisis occurs, they'll believe me again. And I'm almost exact because all the patients do the same. It's amazing. And when you think about something that takes three to five years for cure, how could they all do the same? amazing yeah but you study disease in medical school and you learn patterns and when it doesn't fit the pattern you better look for another diagnosis or another treatment what's wrong with you guys that's the fun of medicine yeah yeah in there textbooks uh, you've previously shared that there is no cure for tsw um and basically what we do is use medication to manage the worst of the symptoms. So whether that's insomnia or whether that's using, um, uh, you know, something to support with edema, there's been a huge growth in new medications coming onto the market, some of which are discussed in the, in the documentary by some of the other dermatologists. What are your thoughts about new, new drugs coming out uh, to support with either chronic, what they called terrible eczema in, in quotations or TSW? Well, they have no idea what TSW is. They're treating bad eczema. They're telling the patients and the doctors are telling them, the younger doctors like under 60, that drug company make drugs because they're going to have it the rest of their life, which is untrue. It burns out. The natural history burns out. There are four that have been approved. There are 16 or 18 more in the pipeline. They run the gamut of 34. Nine thousand to fifty-six thousand dollars a year 
for a cream or a pill. I have read the papers, the original papers that were published. Terrible. The data is wanting versus terrible. And then I, I'm, I, I won't keep, don't get me started, but then I worry about the publishers who get advertisements and they approve not such great studies, but it's good enough to be published. And once it's published, the FDA approves it. And it, there they go. The marketeers go and fly. I don't think any of them are going to work at all. At all. From reading the data, what I see, um, Dupixent, um, I've seen about 400 failures. Um, the original studies, it improved, it made sleep a little better. It made itch a little bit better than the placebo. That is all they found in the papers. In their advertisements, they say nothing more than that. They can't. The FTC will not allow it. And the detail people, they skirt the issue, say it helps. And I've seen failures. So uh, because who knows how many are still on steroids? Who knows how long it takes? It surely is not as, as potent as psychosporin, but it's in the mainstream of medicine and they are advertising. It's on the six, the six o'clock news in America is the big news the national news they're advertising on national news you know that's a big buck, awful. Big buck. wow so, and the new one I, I i just a priori i just think they can't they can't be good you got to prove it to me guy mm. um papers didn't demonstrate that to me yeah so how can i expect it to be better once it's foisted on the marketplace yeah absolutely I'm suspicious that the film and the podcast might influence them maybe somehow. Maybe they might take a tack, oh, we're gonna to talk to um, these people and maybe uh, co-host the idea of, uh, we're against steroids, but use our new drug. You know, I, I'm careful of that, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we're seeing a lot more products coming out with the label, hasn't got steroids on it. Um, so use me. Use, uh, I'm a good guy, you know, and it, they won't work. It won't work. And what are, what are your thoughts around, you know, there's a huge debate in the community around things such as protopic, so tacrolimus, um, and suggestions that the withdrawal um, is perceived to be longer than experienced by steroids alone. What, what's your opinion or experience of that? Well, again, they're picking up a, a, an affidavit and a, a, a a comment from one person called patient who tells about their experience and then they extrapolate into their world and they tell it all their friends it just doesn't work well at all it's never worked well in 30 years it's never worked um, it irritates it burns and it really doesn't work well it's a very weak psychosporine 0.1% and the doctors give it like uh, oh I don't expect it to cure you but keep using it you know keeps it under control. What do you mean under control? It's costing me a fortune and it's not curing my problem. Um, the other things, there's nothing else that's on the marketplace that is of any value, really. Mm -hmm. If you, um, uh, let me back up in terms of therapy, uh, I think it fits here. 
as they get to the end of their cure phase, no matter who they are, support or psychosporin, and I see that they've been good for three, four months of no flares, sunshine, 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 sunshine. Interesting. And okay. In the 1930s and 40s, before steroids, everybody in England and America in the cold climates learned that the kid got better in the summertime. And the rich ones in New York sent them to Arizona in the winter because they knew they all got better in the sun. Boom, over with. And they worsened in the winter with the dry humidity, low humidity, dry, hot, cold climates. And they started scratching again. And the summer sun, goodbye. Mm -hmm. And they burned 95% were cured by five to eight years of age. So when they say it's a bad disease forever, look in the old textbooks. There were no adults. And I, it's right there. What's wrong with you guys? Mm -hmm. Use to look. Yeah. I feel the same. I do feel if I wasn't put on steroids at such a young age, would I simply not have any skin issue now? I mean, obviously, I don't know, but I, I do have my suspicions about that. Well, I, I think also it's there's a little bit of cultural stuff going on here. Uh, I chastised in a cute way, I hope, the mother-in-law, but no young mother and father will allow their child to have any rash when they're in the company of friends, neighbors, family, or anything on the face. Forget it. I have the prized child. I got to make this go away. So they jump, whereas a the grandmothers of yore who didn't have the money to go to the doctor had some you know, some fat from the chicken or something in the household, the kitchen that they put on and they live with it and they got better and they put them in the sunshine. Yeah. Take her for a walk. Yeah. Uh, and they knew, they knew. But nothing is tolerated today. The prize, my prize child cannot have anything wrong. Yeah. So they jumped to therapy instantly. Yeah. We're so used to a quick fix, right? Quick fix. Perfect comment. Yeah. <laughs> People thinking, okay, I'm going through steroid withdrawal, they've had a history of using steroids and they decide they want to stop. How would you suggest approaching their GP or working with their dermatologist who may never have heard of topical steroid withdrawal? Well, I, if they contact me, okay, let's let that, that small pocket of people, then I instantly say, have your doctor call me. I will talk to them. I stop calling doctors because they hang up or they don't return the call. How dare you bother me? I, I know everything. Who are you? If they need my help, they'll call me. I'm more than happy. That's what we've always done. You help the doctors. Blanket, uh, uh, and this is what I've done. Uh, has it worked? I think mostly. I say, go to my web website, uh, make some copies of a couple of my papers and take it to your doctor and let him read it. So often they'll say, well, he'll read it over the weekend, he told me, he promised. Or he looked at it and said, wow, I didn't know that. Or who knows if he throws it in a wastebasket after she walks out. You know, it's hard. But it's the best we can do. Yeah. What, what more to do? Yeah. I, 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 verbal contact on the phone. Uh, paper contact through the, uh, the 
mother or the patient, now give them the link to the film. Yeah. Will they do that? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I hear you. All of these processes will affect a certain number. Absolutely. An avalanche will occur and it'll be over with, I think. You notice I cross my fingers. I don't have palsy or any neurological problem. <laughs> I feel the same. I do feel like the tide is turning though. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. So we, we see... We see obviously there's the serous exudate which comes from the oozing so it's the oozing that people experience and we've also seen in the community a lot of people experiencing either infection or fungal infection how what, what's your advice for kind of navigating that and being able to identify when there might be something else going wrong with your skin um the population at large is absolutely freaked about the idea of infection in everything, everything. These patients go bonkers. Their doctors go bonkers when they see red. Red is infection. What else could it be in their mind? There has been absolute overdiagnosis. I've had a lot of trouble with the Brits in overdiagnosing herpes. I have never seen a case in 40 years. Those little water blisters are all steroids. It's not herpes. They have admitted them to the hospital, scared the hell out of the patients that they're going to die. In my training, we used to see a few cases in eczema. They did die because it went to the brain and the liver. These patients are discharged within a day or two because they're not sick. It never was herpes. And they're doing lab tests that are confirming, but they're not doing a growth culture. They're doing like the COVID, they're getting false positives. So, but big deal, forget the scare and all that. Acyclovir is a benign drug and I say, uh, don't, but about 150 patients have been misdiagnosed. Two bouts of antibiotics like crazy, especially in the pediatric case. Bout after bout after bout, and they're not infected. They're just seeing red and it never works. And they go back in, you know, because the kid's warm or, you know, miserable. So they must be infected. And he says they must be infected. Never works. I'm waiting for the damn gut problems to occur with all the antibiotics. You know, I yeah. fear that overkill, overkill. Yeah. Let me tell you, when I see the patients, I have never seen herpes, never seen shingles. Herpes simplex, never seen herpes zoster. I have rarely seen infection. I've seen boils in several of the cyclosporin people because they're the most severe. So it's either the cyclosporin or they're the most severe. That's it, period. They don't have ringworm fungus in the groin or elsewhere. They're on fire from the steroids. They're dilated vessels. They don't have fungus on the face. They don't have any fungus. They have no other problems. No viral, no bacterial, no fungal infections. But it's they're overdiagnosed repeatedly. Um, the, luckily, the most the only problem and the fear I have is the scare. They scare the patient. 
but the drugs they use aren't going to cause that much harm. And I, what am I going to do? Argue with the world? I, I run out of. <laughs> I, <laughs> Thank you. That's really useful to know. Um, I, I guess this is a total selfish perspective, but I I struggle majorly with insomnia now. So I will get maybe three four hours sleep a night. Um, and I recently got some sleeping tablets from my doctor, but they're just short-term ones. Um, how long generally does it take for someone in TSW to recover their sleep pattern? Um, I have prescribed uh, sleep meds. Uh, that's one of the things, the criteria of my seven symptoms I asked them. Because you're miserable if you don't sleep the next day. You're miserable. Yeah. That, absolutely. I got to take care of sleep. That's great. Don't want you to get addicted, mm. but you got. You have an ongoing um, symptomatic patient who changes every day. So they need to be uh, intercepted every few days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or a visit. Because they don't understand and they've been through so much hell, they're afraid of repeating it. Yeah. They're afraid it's going to happen again. So I got this fun process of making them feel better, which is essential. Mm -hmm. Just getting them on the right road. So, so, but tell me, the sleep does come back eventually. <laughs> the, the sleep, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So with you, take the pills. So, so okay, so my critique right or wrong why did they wait to give you sleeping pills because docs are afraid of the damn addiction you know that's in their brains you know they're, they're going to get sued so they were afraid they should have given it to you right away and that might have stopped it instantly or don't say we're only going to do a little bit give you we got them don't worry about it i'll take care of it uh, I've also told them about melatonin, which I think is valueless, but it's something. Mm -hmm. And they think maybe it helps, so I let it go. And then uh, I start talking a little psychotherapy about you got to get off or let's talk about this. I Nobody has stayed on sleeping pills. Mm -hmm. Not any of my patients. Okay. okay. Continual involvement and intercepting and interceding repeatedly is the insomnia as a result of the impact of cortisol on the adrenal glands i don't think so but it, i doubt it uh, you know once a pattern is set and you're up scratching for a year or two you're up scratching for the next year or two until you break that pattern uh, the body sets a, a, a different uh, system in the head mm -hmm. It's the best I can come up with in a very uh, non-scientific way. I don't think there's any chemical thing going on as okay. best I can. Uh, that, that's reassuring. <laughs> that to 5,500 patients, 40 years, only five patients have had internal problems. Five. Two shut their adrenals down and three had osteonecrosis of the back teenagers five so for all intents and purposes nothing no glaucoma no peptic ulcer no hypertension no you know um, uh, 
bony problem, no osteoporosis, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. If they complain, I'm going to evaluate. But uh, five, five out of 5,500, no, amazing. It doesn't go internally. Yeah. Amazing. That's doesn't fantastic. affect anything. Okay, that's so good to know. So anecdotally, we're seeing some sufferers saying that they've got um, deterioration and other other kind of allergies that they have, say, for example, asthma. And I experienced this as well. My asthma seemed to flare up at the start of TSW. Have you seen anything similar in clinic? Well, um, I've had innumerable long discussions and um, with the patients. Um, 5,500 patients after cure, no one, zero. I got two zeros. Is it allergic to anything? No. Wow. They run the grass, they have dogs and cats, they eat everything. And they went to the, only the middle class go to the allergist. The poor don't go. They have no allergies. These scratch tests are false positives. The RAS test, the IgE test, they're all false positives. You also have sensitive skin when you have atopy. So you make red streaks positive. The difficulty I have because the mothers are very protective of the little guys uh, and they just went to the allergist is I won't argue with you. Keep your strict diet. I bet I'll win out, but I'll tell you what we're going to do. Maybe in a month or so, you'll introduce one thing at a time, one food at a time, and you'll see. So I start winning the war. But I'm telling you, nobody is allergic afterwards. That's so cool. Or two, if they have asthma uh, and they use the inhaler, invariably has steroids. They're addicted in the vessels in their lungs. So the skin shows the addiction. And here, too, I get them off the steroid nebulizers. I have never had any trouble with non-steroidal nebulizers and no steroids being used. The asthma stops. Not only is there hell to pay 24-7, they can't eat this, they can't do this, they can't wear that clothing, they can't, their life is at a total standstill. And you know what? It's ludicrous because they can do everything. Yeah, yeah. Wrong, wrong diagnosis, the wrong therapy. It's interesting, my, my asthma has now gone away and I'm not yeah. allergic to my cat anymore. Yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> oh, would you know that? No, you were never allergic. No, so bad. <laughs> so, Dr. Radford, we've seen some instances in the community of red, dry, flaking skin continuing for like seven, ten years after ceasing steroids. What are your thoughts in situations like this? Is it simply still TSW, or actually, do you think there's other issues that potentially could be at play? Uh, almost all of them, when I see them, I have to see the photos where they come in. Almost all of them have thickened skin, the third diagnosis, light skin simplex chronicus from years of scratching. And that skin is itchy. So they think they still have RSS. They're not red anymore. They don't have the ooze anymore. They don't, but they're scratching those thickened areas. Different diagnosis that's handled with time and sunshine. Psychosporin won't budge that. Only time and sunshine. Okay. Uh, they psychologically if they've had a really bad time 
then maybe there's a little psychological thing that has to be attacked. So I would have to be with them to see and make the diagnosis. Nobody goes past five years. A little bit, maybe a little, they're really stubborn. They have a little flare here and there, but I'm telling you they're cured in three to five years. Plus a tiny little bit in a few people mm-hmm. of time. Otherwise it's impossible to complain. It's thickened skin from scratching. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Your colleagues uh, uh, where they've scratched like crazy and it thickens up. It looks like elephant skin around the knees and the elbows. Yeah. I, I actually have that on my, because that's where my, my eczema first started as a kid. And I can yeah. see it's like, it's almost scarred. It's, you know, it's a different type of skin. You get hot and you wear wool or whatever. So, oh, I still got it. No, you don't. And if you went into the sunshine and I'm going to talk to that parliament lady to get some damn sunshine in London, not just stop TSW, to order God to bring some sun to London. I appreciate that. <laughs> we need it. So, so TSW is hugely traumatic, as you know. Um, and we've seen sufferers being brought close to suicide, which is also explored in the documentary. Um, what are you, in your experience, obviously you work very closely with your patients and you talk to them and give them the mental support. But for someone else kind of working with a GP, what, what kind of, what advice would you give them from a mental health aspect? I, if I have the intimate contact, either with retainer people through the internet or in the office. I'm the psychiatrist. I know what to do. A third person holding him, and they have no idea what to do other than the generalization of you're depressed. Let's talk about your depression. No, you're depressed because you got a lousy skin disease. I'm going to make that one better. You're not going to be depressed anymore. Da-da, da-da, da-da. So I, I fear that it'll uh, uh, uncover certain things that are unnecessary mm-hmm. yeah and if it's used properly okay but i just don't want that person to go down that road of worrying about depression or this or that and perpetuated by the therapist mm-hmm. in a kind way but i take care of that if I make the disease better, they are not depressed anymore. It's as easy as that. That makes sense. Yeah, thank you. And I, I totally hear what you say, say there about kind of actually you need a therapist who is at least aware. So I have one final question for you, Dr. Rappaport. If listeners would like to arrange consultation with you, where should they go? How can they contact you? Um, if you have a pen and pencil, uh, Christina in my office takes care of the telemedicine and me. You have my email. Let them get in touch with me. I'll direct everything. I, t- I take care of everything. I love it. <laughs> it's okay. Amazing. Part, another a no patient. Oh, I get excited. It's fun. You're <laughs> another one. <laughs> I'll put all those contact details in the podcast show notes so that people can click through and, and contact you in your office. Um, yeah. That's fantastic that they can arrange teleconsultations i'll take care if they can come in i of course come in if not i'm what is the difference between me with photos telephone calls and emails and the patient sitting in a chair next to me i got everything over here i can take care of it 
I'm not seeing anything but this one diagnosis. I wouldn't dare look at a mole and make a diagnosis. It looks benign or it looks malignant. This diagnosis, I know what to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can do telemass. We're going to cure the world. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. You're charming. And I hope that we're going to change. We'll cure them all from now on. I hope so too. You look beautiful. You're a lovely lady. Thank you. Thank you so much.